This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Hey, it is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Glenn's running just a tad late, uh, but he'll be here any minute now. Uh, it is Pat Stewart, Jeffy. In the meantime, we've got we've got an amazing controversy going on that we talked about a little bit. Um, this controversy of the Christmas cookies on Hallmark stealing in its entirety. Yes. Christmas twist. Our movie that uh, first appeared on the wonderful world of Stu, what, two years ago? Something like that, yeah. Three years ago, somewhere in there. Uh, it took them some time, but they redid it, they remade it, and they did it for real. We've, we've got some proof of that, absolute hardcore proof. Plus, the picks are rolling in, and uh, the big one is pretty settled. We'll start right there, right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck program. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we are one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are one. Looks like it's uh, T for the Tillerson. Coined a phrase from an old uh, Cat Stevens, I'm sorry, uh, Yusuf Islam album uh, back in the day. Uh, so it's Tillerson from ExxonMobil, who is who's the nominee now for Secretary of State. It's pretty official. Uh, Romney's out. Everybody else is out, obviously. There can, there can only be one. It's like Highlander. I mean, there can, there can start with a bunch, but there can only be one. Yeah, Trump tweeted it, uh, so that means it's official. That's how we get oh, official he, news now. So he, he did tweet it. He did tweet that That's Tillerson how we know. is the guy. This is the official news way. It is the way he does it, and, you know, it's effective, obviously. Uh, Romney uh, was called yesterday along with, I think, Corker and a couple of other people who were still in the running uh, as they came to the close of the pick. Uh, Roger Stone, uh, who is, you know, very close to Donald Trump, as everybody knows, and uh, big, uh, big InfoWars Alex Jones guy, uh, was on, uh, apparently, the program, <laughs> Alex Jones's program yesterday, and said the only reason that Trump talked to Romney was to torture him. <laughs> now, that was approximately 12 hours before he announced, before Romney got the call saying he was not going to be Secretary of State. Uh, so that. It, definitely, it, it definitely seems to fit into that whole worldview, but I, I will say he's actually hired some of the people who have really disagree with him publicly, Nikki Haley being a prominent one. Um, and so I don't know that it necessarily is true. Or if, I mean, obviously, Roger Stone saying something, it, there's no indication, there's no reason to believe that's the accurate thing that occurred. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. But Tillerson's an interesting pick. I'm not entirely pessimistic on it. 
I don't know all that much about him. Yeah. I knew he's the head of ExxonMobil. He's dealt with other countries because of his business. He's from Texas. Yeah, he's yep, a big Texas guy. Born and raised in Texas. Apparently, he's a big guy in uh, the Boy Scouts for very like active. Boy Scouts. Yep. Yeah, very big in the Boy Scouts. Um, uh, very big t- ties to um, the the Bush wing of the party. Uh, again, I don't know how this fits into drain the swamp. It and, does, and it does not seem to anti-establishment. That's right. as establishment as you can get is a Bush pick. Yeah, uh, in fact, it, uh, the praise uh, Tillerson was not on the radar of Trump initially. Uh, he was pushed in that direction by several people, all names you'll know, Condoleezza Rice, Dick Cheney, um, Bob Gates, James Baker, all sort of from that um, long-term Bush circle. People that know how to drain a swamp. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no. I, uh, well, people who know how to live in the swamp, uh, that's for sure. But Tillerson seems like a good guy. Um, you know, his ties to Russia worry me. Uh, you know, the, and I think that's got to yeah. come out. I mean, I, you have to keep an open mind, I think, on him in that. Like, that seems think, to be that's the main criticism. Right. Other than kind of it. no real governmental right. experience, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe the business experience that he has dealing with other countries translates well. I feel like it I, probably I does. I maybe. mean, he's he's negotiating with tons of countries around the world, uh, dealing with different cultures, dealing with different sets of right. laws. He's going uh, to negotiate uh, these deals. He has dealt with basically every country on Earth. And what would ExxonMobil be? Like the uh, 30th largest economy in the world? Right. Something like that? Yeah. I, I, so, you know, he's got serious experience from, from business. And maybe it will translate well. But I, I think we all have concerns about the Russia situation where he's so cozied up with them. That's, that's a concern to me. It's a concern to me. However... It's what Donald Trump promised in the campaign, that yeah. he was going to be close to Russia and, and do a lot of the things Russia wants. I mean, it's not like he hit it. Uh, you know, everyone knew no, he sure didn't. When, he went, when he was running that he was going to be very pro-Russia. No, and in so, fact, because he's so pro-Russia, others who have been very anti-Russia are now pro-Russia. That's very true. People, <laughs> people love the Russia all of a sudden. They love Russia. But I mean, like, you know, for example, Romney is a good example of this. If you're Donald Trump, uh, why would you select Mitt Romney, who thinks ge- that Russia is a, our largest geopolitical threat, when obviously you don't believe that? You believe the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not pick someone who is going to uh, see them in a, in a more positive light? I, I can understand the pick, and I, I'm not entirely pessimistic on it. Uh, you know, like Michael Flynn, I think, is a really bad pick. Uh, you know, but he's made a lot of good picks too. I mean, Mattis is a good pick. Uh, Kelly seems to be a good pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Price at HHS is a good pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pruitt at uh, EPA seems like a good pick. Uh, um, so, you oh, know, there's some really good ones. Yeah, there's been some really good ones. They really are. Uh, is, is, so have uh, crisis counselors been over to uh, Rudy Giuliani's house? <laughs> that guy wanted Poor this Rudy. thing more than life. He, he seemed yeah. to really want Secretary of State. And to the point and he's of, not getting it, and apparently he's out in the cold now. Yeah, well, to the point uh, that he actually probably could have locked up a different position early on and said, went all in for Secretary of State, really wanted it. Yeah. And actually, last a uh, few days ago, uh, maybe it was over the weekend, uh, pulled his name out of consideration, yeah. not just for Secretary of State, but for any role in the administration. Yeah, it was this past weekend, because he said he didn't want Because he knew he wasn't getting he didn't want, one. He didn't want to, you know... Mess up uh, Trump's picks, be in the way. And it, I, look, Giuliani gets the shaft here, big time, because he was the guy 
He was well, first of all, he was time. the only guy that came out that weekend after the Billy Bush tapes and went on all those shows to defend Trump. The only one. Everyone else, including talk people about, like Chris Christie, all got sick that weekend. We're talking about loyal. Yeah, I mean, he was the guy, not to mention... Giuliani actually had something to lose, where someone like Chris Christie, whose career was a disaster and over anyway, had nowhere else to go. Chris Christie, you know, you know, jumping on the Trump train at that point was uh, he was early as far as the, the big endorsements went. But, you know, he had nothing else. He was either going to be, win the president, win the primary or he was out in the cold. So when he realized he was losing the primary, he ran to Trump and it worked. Um, and but then he he didn't wind up getting paid off because he unfortunately arrested the father of his of Trump's son-in-law. Uh, but that's a whole other whole other. Ah, it's a minor issue. Ah. Story. but Giuliani still had that reputation of you know America's mayor, sure and and he went out there and really went all in for Trump, risking all of that. I mean, he did everything that could possibly be expected of a surrogate, and did it well. I mean, you know, Giuliani's a smart guy, and he'll, he, he is able to argue through uncomfortable situations pretty well. He went all the, all, all the way to the floor for Trump, and in the end ends yeah, up with a, a big fat zilch, uh, which is, you know, it sucks for him. Though I'm sure he'll still have a friendly uh, relationship with the administration, and that may benefit him in other ways. But I mean, he wanted the Secretary of State thing. And, he did. He uh, seemed to. Uh, he was out campaigning for it. I mean, outwardly. Yeah, outwardly. And, and very few outwardly campaigned. He, he did. He did. I, uh, the other thing I like about the ExxonMobil guy is it's kind of a poke in the eye to all the environmentalists. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's just poking Al Gore in his eyes and uh, saying, yeah, we're shut up. We're not, we're not buying into your nonsense. Yeah. And that's he also did that with the EPA choice. Uh, the only way he hasn't done that is actually meeting with Al Gore. Right, and we talked about that when the Gore meeting was going on. It's going to be an interesting microcosm of where this thing goes because Trump is seemingly sending signals to the media that Ivanka Trump is going to be big on climate issues, Mm -hmm. we're going to meet with Al Gore, um, and then at the same time puts Scott Pruitt from Oklahoma uh, in as the EPA director, which is a pick the environmentalists despise, which is, of course, why I like it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it looks like Rick Perry is going to be the Secretary of Energy pick, which is another interesting one. That's uh, incredibly interesting yeah. because he couldn't even remember yeah, the no, Department I, of Energy. It is an unbelievable <laughs> uh, turn of events. It's just so ironic. In that answer, that was the one he couldn't remember. That, and again, a, an agency he wanted to eliminate. But I mean, as a guy who also wants to eliminate all these agencies, I'm, I'm, I'm fine having a guy who wants to eliminate the agency running the agency. Yes. Like, I want someone who comes in there with that mindset. So, I mean, I think Perry would be a good pick if it winds up being him. And again, Perry's another one. I mean, you know, to come out and call the guy cancer and then come out and endorse him and maybe run for his VP. Another guy who turned his life upside down when Trump started winning, you would expect him to maybe be rewarded here. But the guy ran a giant state. With a great uh, energy record, obviously. It's a huge part of Texas's economy. And he actually makes sense in that role. Um, and then Tillerson, t- as Secretary of State, this does not seem like a guy that, that, as a president, Al Gore is going to enjoy. And for me, that's a, this that. is a positive. But you still have uh, Ivanka, right, is going to play a major role in the administration. Right. But, I mean, the picks... You're right, and that's that's what I mean. Is is he going to go the Ivanka way, or is he going to go the way that I think conservatives want him to go? Well, and it's these been, picks indicate he's going the conservative way, at least on that issue. 
it's been playing both sides, though, of every issue that has always made us leery of Donald Trump. Sure. That's one of the things that made us nervous in the first place. It's like, okay, is he is he liberal? Is he Republican? Is he is he pro life? Is he pro abortion? Right. Is he is he climate change, which he was all about at one point, or is he is it a Chinese hoax, as he now says? I I mean, so that's how do you Chinese hoax? How how do you how do you know? How do you decipher? How do you decide? Which is, well, I will tell you this. The one thing is, thank you guys for filling in with me. With traffic was really bad. There was a, a light mist and Yes, fog. there was. Right. And in Texas... We don't deal with that. I mean, I, I got up this morning, I'm like, I'm living in Seattle. <laughs> I know. And everybody else was like, I don't know yeah. if I can drive today. That's why I left at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, I know. It's here. crazy. <laughs> um, uh, so thank you for dealing. I've been listening to all of this. The one thing about Tillerson that you did talk about is he is um, exceptional at deal-making. I mean, because I know, mm-hmm. I have friends who are very high-level deal makers um, in the oil industry. John Huntsman Sr. is one of my friends. He talked to me about negotiating a deal for selling part of Huntsman Chemical years ago. And it took months. And he said, you know, there was a 20-foot table that was covered in stacks of paper, which was the contract. And they had to go through and understand that. So the one thing that Tillerson will bring to the table that I think is, is excellent is his ability to handle large... He may be more qualified, honestly, than Donald Trump is to be president. And I don't mean that as a slam for Donald Trump. I just mean you're running the biggest company, one of the biggest companies, the most profitable company in the world. Um, and it has dealings in every country. You couple this with Rick Perry, I will say it's a good thing to be living in Texas because Texas, the economy in Texas in the next four years should be pretty good. It feels like these picks are all lining up to be favorable, create a favorable climate for that type of thing. I mean, the The only thing, the only thing that's confusing on this is his back and forth with climate change. Right. The Ivanka stuff and And, and the meeting with Al Gore. And Pat, you've talked about this many times before in that ExxonMobil. Everyone assumes it's lip service. But, I mean, they have been going down this climate change road yes, for they a have. long they have. time. Uh, they I mean, all have been trying to. Hammered for, yes. They I get will hammered tell you this. For, being, for being evil Here's, in, that re, in that regard. And yet, they've completely bent over backwards for sure the climate have. change. Millions and millions of dollars towards this. They have, their own, yeah. they have scientists on staff that all say climate change is real and everything else. Now, everyone, I think, kind of assumes, well, they're doing this to kind of push off the people who are critical of them. But, I mean, if it's real, that could wind up being an issue. Here is the, here is the, um, the problem that I think everybody needs to really pay attention to, and that is um, I believe we're setting up um, oligarchs. Um, if you look at what happened with FDR in the 1930s, we're repeating the same pattern uh, that we had in the 1930s during the Great Depression. And that was go to um, the, the top of the list businesses and then put them in charge and they'll come up with the rules. So if you, if you think about this with climate change, um, all you have to do is have a secretary of state that is a believer in climate change enough 
to be able to create policies that will help ExxonMobil, but will destroy any emerging companies. And that is exactly what FDR did. And we see this kind of uh, bullying of, of uh, CEOs that don't walk the line. We, we know now that it wasn't cost overruns with Boeing. Boeing, you can't have cost overruns on a development deal. A development deal means you have $170 million out there to develop the plane. That means not to build the plane, but to say, okay, here's what it's going to be. Now, the price might change as you're in this development deal because that's what the development part of it is. How much is it going to cost? What are the features going to be? What that really was, was a disagreement between Donald Trump and the CEO of Boeing on the China policy. Boeing, our largest trade partner, says this is, this is really bad for us. So what does Donald Trump do? Exactly what FDR used to do. And that was go after them personally, go after their business and try to scare them into compliance with him. And if you don't scare, they destroy. Now, I'm not saying this is what Donald Trump is going to do. I'm saying if you learn from history, this is exactly what FDR did. And it is also exactly what Vladimir Putin does. And for an example of that, yesterday he tweeted about the F-35 program and how the cost is out of control. Billions of dollars will be saved on military and other purchases after January 20th. It's a Boeing project. Uh, it's a Lockheed Martin um, okay. project. Uh, by lunchtime, he had wiped $4 billion off the company's market value. Oof. Jeez. You fall in line. You do exactly. <laughs> when, you, when you lose $4 billion in a day, you fall in line. Yes, sir, Mr. President. You can't afford not to. They're saying that traders are doing the opposite. They're actually trying to f- come up with algorithms that predict these tweets so they can make money off of these drops when he starts criticizing companies. Now this. I told you about the trust that we put into Liberty Safe at the studios and at, uh, and at home. Um, I'm in a different situation. I mean, you know, we at home, we put everything in a Liberty Safe that... Uh, you know, is is our our photographs and and our guns and you know anything that is of value of how of the house, but it's all personal, just like your stuff. Here at the studios, we use Liberty Safe for something uh, in some ways more important. Important to you, we have documents from George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. We have Abraham Lincoln. I mean, the things that we have in a Liberty Safe. I want to make sure that if this place is sucked up in a tornado or if this place is burned to the ground in a fire, those documents, those precious items, the mourning dress from Abraham Lincoln's wife, the one she wore to the funeral, there's one of those. I want to make sure it's in a Liberty Safe. Liberty Safe. They make great Christmas gifts. You can save hundreds now on select Cabela safes made by Liberty. Everything at Cabela is made by Liberty. If it says Cabela's on it, it's a Liberty Safe. Starting as low now is $419. And the handgun vaults are even um, uh, on on sale now and, and special. If you want quick access to your firearm and your valuables, check out the amazing deals right now for Christmas at Cabela's. Cabela's branded safes are all made by Liberty Safe and include Liberty's amazing lifetime warranty. So buy a Liberty Safe. Visit your nearest Cabela's retail store. Do it now. 
new prediction you want to hear it now yeah prediction alert uh, i have a new prediction Whoop. i believe Whoop. i just saw kanye west arrive at the trump tower um is that your prediction and, that kanye west will no. arrive at the <laughs> and lo and behold check it out he Let's did check Whoa. it out um my prediction is that donald trump now this is good or bad will change the, tr- will transform the country and the structure of the presidency more than any other president in history. Wow. <laughs> That's a big one. Can you care to explain That's a it really a big further? one. Explain it? Yeah. Like how? Oh, sure. We'll do that coming up. So. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. is just no better story for Christmas than I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I just don't, I mean, besides the original Christmas story, I just don't know of a better story than the actual writing of, of that and what it really means on, the, on all the verses that we don't sing. You know, I, I, I'm convinced that we, all, we sing most of the wrong verses of songs. Because there's such deep and profound meaning in in some of these lyrics, and eh. by the time you get to the seventh or eighth, or by the time we get to the second, we're like, okay, come on, sit down, let's go, come on, come on. How long are we going to make this service? Let's go, move on. Um, all right, couple things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about um, Christmas plays. Last night we had a Christmas play that um, 
there is nothing. I, I sent out an invitation to um, uh, some family members that said, hey, you know, you, you got to come. And I said, it's the kids' Christmas play, so guaranteed really awkward moments, moments where somebody on stage has forgotten their line, so it'll be about 45 seconds of just silence. Um, awkward moments, bad acting, lyrics and lines that will be sung so fast that you won't be able to really understand them, and kindergartners dressed as sheep. The, the kindergartners dressed as sheep, just the best thing ever. Just little kids dressed as sheep, just the best thing. Just puts you in the Christmas mood. All right, um, let me go back to what we were talking about because I made a statement that I, I believe that um, uh, Donald Trump will change and, and fundamentally transform the United States of America and the presidency possibly more than anyone else did besides, no, I, I think even more so. Woodrow Wilson and, uh, Woodrow Wilson and, um, and FDR changed it a great deal. And I think Donald Trump is going to take it further than Barack Obama did. And you can look at that as a good thing or a bad thing. Just let me make the same warning to the right that I gave to the left in 2008. Don't push the pendulum too far. If you, if you allow the president to have all kinds of unlimited power and you like it because it's your side, remember, the pendulum will swing back just as far, if not further, and at some point, there will be an emergency, and some president is going to grab the pendulum. And if you don't believe that, it's happened both ways since you started talking about this during the Bush administration. It swung you know, to the left, yep. and we had Obama. Now it swung way back to the right, and so we've got Trump. Here's what's really interesting. I, I, let me just take you through this pendulum, and then I'll get to the reason why I say this uh, with the prediction. Um, if, you, if you look in 2001, we were already really angry with the left and right. We were already angry with each other because of 2000, right? The election. And uh, it was selected, not elected. It was all of that. Then um, it was George Bush knew he was part of 9-11. They, they forgot that it was Sandy Berger that went in and stole all the documents. So we know the Clintons had something to hide as well. But I don't believe the Clintons nor George Bush knew the World Trade Centers were coming down, had any indication at all. It's just that we excuse a lot of things from the Saudis, okay? That's the only thing I think they were covering up. We excuse a lot from the Saudis. So we were already mad. And then what happened? 9-11 was such a crystallizing moment for what? What happened to us as a people? And, and really, me and you, all of us, what happened to us at 9-11? First of all, we all loved each other, right? We even looked at Nancy Pelosi standing there singing God Bless America. And we were like, you know what? 
she and Harry Reid, they love the country just as much as we do. And we're all in this together, right? That was the first reaction. And what were they singing? God bless America. Okay, not a problem. But then we became jingoistic. Then everything was wrapped in the red, white, and blue. The Patriot Act. The phrase even, you're either with us or you're against us. And if you were against us, you were un-American. And what did Hillary Clinton say? I am tired of being told that if I have a different opinion that I somehow another American. Right? So who did we elect? We elected a guy who people in the country actually believed wasn't an American. And he was probably the most unlike an American president more than anyone else. Would you agree with that? He was an American. I don't question any of that. You mean as far you're, you're not you're not outing yourself as a birther? No, no. years after the birther. No, no, okay. no, never been a birther. Here is the here is the thing: Is there a president that was more that had a different view of America, a different upbringing of America than any other president? I mean, any other president have more of a different view of America? To illustrate this point, the Clinton campaign specifically had internal memos that said, we're not going to point out that he, you know, we're never going to say he doesn't have an American background, but he's not going to relate to the center of the country. This is back in 2007 and 2008, and this is one of the things they thought they could press on all the time, constantly talk about Hillary and her upbringing and the fact that she's been in America the whole time, yeah. and she, is, she has those same values. They even saw right. it as a point of differentiation. Right. It's not good nor bad. It just is. The guy grew up in a different, more different than any other president that we've ever had. Okay, spent a lot of his time, not even overseas in Europe, which is similar, but, but Asia, which is completely different than what we know as the American experience. So he comes in. His name is Barack Obama. The pendulum had swung so far to the baseball, apple pie, and mom, and red, white, and blue, that when it swung back, it swung to a guy named Barack Obama. Then I said at that time, if he is elected, because he was so slick, remember, pendulum also, shoe, remember all of that from, from George W. Bush, right. where he was at times seemed incapable of coming up with easy words? Mm-hmm. Barack Obama never lost for words. Barack Obama on prompter, slick, slick, slick. No George Bush moments, at least to be seen, of Barack Obama trying to get the doors open in China. No, you know, Turkey sticking his, you know, face into the president's pants. All of those faux pas completely eradicated. The halo. So it swings all the way back. To time, we're going to have a gravy-stained guy that goes, yeah, I farted, everybody farts, right? Well, that pretty much is Donald Trump. Completely right. That, that right. prediction, I mean, that, the pendulum theory on that worked exactly, exactly right. Said it was going to work. Exactly right. 
So what does the pendulum go back to? I'm not sure yet, but no place good. No place good. I'll tell you where it goes back to. He's in the Trump Tower right now meeting with Donald Trump. His name's Kanye West. Kanye 2020. That's what it ends up as. (laughs) I think if we're lucky, it swings back to Tom Hanks. We look for an adult in the room, and it swings back to somebody like Tom Hanks. But it could swing to a Kanye West. We just, we're, not at, we're at the point now we're not even considering people who aren't celebrities. We're just, <laughs> it's either so, Kanye or Tom Hanks. Which so, one's going to be? So here, here is the reason why I say that Donald Trump is going to change the presidency more than any other president ever. We have said for a long time, this job is too big. This job is just, how can you be somebody who has run a company, is perfectly clean in everything, is, um, uh, can, you, can use the media and understand how to communicate ideas? How can you be all of those things? We, we've, we've said forever, you can't. You can't. And so we've gone, we have gone for people who just know the Constitution. But that's not very popular. Look at Ted Cruz was the worst when it comes to communication skills. The worst. But he is, in my opinion, he was the most competent on the, on the dais. The most competent. Now, a lot of people thought, you know, oh, I like Ted Cruz, but he's just the worst when it comes to presentation. So I'll go for Marco Rubio. I'll go for Donald Trump. A lot of people went for Donald Trump because, quote, he could win. He will beat Hillary. He will beat the press. Well, that's only one part of the presidency. Donald Trump is meeting today with Kanye West. What could he possibly have to say to Kanye West? Nothing. The guy is a showman. The guy is, he is putting together a show for America. Now, I think that's important. And it may be, to get things done, it may be one of the most important things. But how he puts everything together, I don't know. But look at how he has already changed. The president, under George W. Bush... Was, was an honored space. You didn't go in, you didn't go into the Oval Office. Think of this. During the George Bush administration, a lot of people were up in arms because one of the girls' volleyball teams or something, a couple of the girls showed up in the Oval Office wearing flip-flops. Do you remember that controversy? Yes. Okay, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. Somebody was in the picture in the Oval Office wearing flip-flops. The president, until Barack Obama, didn't carry a phone. The controversy of him carrying a phone, who do you need to call? You're the president. They'll get him on the phone for you. Why do you need a phone? Now it is swung back so far from that that we can tell you when the president-elect gets up at night to go pee. It's usually about 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when he tweets again. So he's getting up in the morning 
to take a pee sitting down on the crapper and deciding to tweet something, then go back to bed. He is going to fundamentally transform the media, the media that comes out of the White House, um, the way the president communicates, the way the president is viewed, the things the president can say and do, um, the way the president behaves, and I think the fundamental structure of the presidency itself. Quickly, just backing up on your point of the pendulum, uh, as I've found this, and it's, it's just amazing. You know, you come off of Bush with Texas and, you know, Toby Keith, you know, yes. uh, boot up your ass, all that stuff. And the pendulum swings back the other way. Listen to the way the Clinton campaign described Barack Obama and his how he was not the same as other presidents. All of these articles about his boyhood in Indonesia and his life in Hawaii are geared towards showing his background is diverse, multicultural, and putting it in a new light. Save it for 2050. Wow. It is also exposing a very strong weakness for him. His roots to basic American values and culture are at best limited. I cannot imagine America electing a president during a time of war who is not at his center, center fundamentally American in his thinking and values. That is Clinton's campaign. Clinton's campaign. Now, this should also show you something else. How fast America is changing. Yeah. Back in just a second. Christmas is less than two weeks away. Are you down to the last person on your list, or are you at the position I am you haven't started yet? You don't have to battle the crowds to get the perfect gift for a lot of people uh, on your list. Um, I want you to uh, go to Sherry's Berries and find out about what Sherry's Berries has. All you have to do is go to B-E-R-R-I-E-S, berries.com, and you see their incredible uh, collection of gifts. Freshly dipped strawberries are the ones they started with, and we've been raving. This is their their benchmark. Um, you, right now, Sherry's Berries are $19.99. That's over a 30% savings. You can double the berries for $10 more. You just need my code to take advantage of the deal, and my code is Glenn. $19.99, Sherry's Berries. But I will tell you, they have a lot of other stuff on the website, that, and all of it is mind-blowing delicious. Go to berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com, berries.com. Type in the microphone, uh, Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. They, uh, the anti-gun um, movie, not doing real well. Ooh, about 1,100 per theater. 75th worst opening since 1972 or 1982. I have a, I have a really good um, observation on this and what that means. And the left needs to hear it. In fact, the media needs to hear this message. We'll get to that coming up in a little while. Also, Michael Medved. The new book, The American Miracle, Divine Providence, next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Looks like Tillerson, the CEO of Exxon, is our new Secretary of State. What is his confirmation hearing going to be like? We also have Michael Medved on. He is the author of The American Miracle, Divine Providence in the Rise of the Republic. This is, you want to talk about a great Christmas book. Um, This is a book that explains the miracle that is America, that so many people dismiss. How many times did something happen, like the pilgrims being blown off course, to show up at a place they didn't expect to, and Squanto, an Indian who happens to speak English, sees the sails of their ship and says, hey, I got to go check that out. What are the odds? The miracle, the American miracle by Michael Medved. He joins us right now. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Breaking news, it looks like uh, Rick Perry also is officially going to be our energy secretary. We'll have more on that coming up in just a second. Michael Medved uh, joins us now. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Glenn. Happy uh, holidays and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much. Happy Hanukkah to you. Um, Let me uh, ask you, Michael, um, before we get into the book, a, a couple of questions. You are a... Yale-trained attorney, um, and then you went from there to being a, a very good and credible movie reviewer, and then you went to talk radio. I can't make your career work. How, how, how have you done this? <laughs> I mean, I, well, you, how I'm not did that sure happen? I've made it work either, but... Uh, it, yes, you it, have. Basi- <laughs> uh, basically, I am. Um, uh, first of all, I, I am not now, nor have I ever been an attorney. I went to law school once upon a time. Okay. And and it is true. I will plead guilty. I, I went to law school together with Bill and Hillary Clinton. Uh, and you can ask me later whether they inhaled. Um, right. but, <laughs> I think I know the answer. I, I think you probably do too, Glenn. Yeah. Uh, but. The, the truth of the matter is I've always been consumingly interested in history and politics um, since my dad, who was the son of, an, uh, of immigrants, uh, under miraculous circumstances that allowed them to come to America. We grew up in Philadelphia, and my dad used to take me around uh, to uh, historical sites, Independence Hall, Valley Forge. And even though my dad was not at that stage in his life until later in life when he moved to Israel, uh, at, at that stage of my life, my dad was not a deeply religious guy, but he understood that God had a role in this miracle known as America. And I, I majored in American history at Yale. It's what I, what I studied, what I always cared about. And then I started writing about it, and then because of some of the books that I had written were about movies. I sort of drifted into 
commenting oh, wow. about movies during the time I was continuing with the writing about history. So, so Mike, and all of it, as you know, comes together in talk radio because yeah. we have this great gift from God, I believe, of being able to talk about whatever is on our heart or in our minds. Yeah. Michael, you are a Orthodox Jew um, uh, and, and a lover of America and American history. We live in a time where um, we keep having this argument, whether we're a Christian nation or not, and people trying to um, denigrate the role of God um, in, in America. And here you are writing The American Miracle, which is phenomenal and, and a great um, proof of God's existence and his critical role in, being, uh, in, in bringing about America. Well, well that's, that's exactly right. And it is the one thing that has been able to unite great leaders across every partisan divide, across our entire history. I mean, it's true, as you very well know, that people like Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin were religiously unconventional. They weren't Orthodox Christians, but they believed very firmly, as it says in the Declaration, and as you, Glenn, emphasize time and again, a firm reliance on divine providence. Even these people, some of whom didn't go to church, uh, understood that there was a design in American history. It didn't just result from a, a series of random occurrences from a pattern of happy accidents. In the book, I make the case that a pattern of happy accidents is still a pattern, and it gives evidence of design. A lot of people would say, sure, well, that design was from these very smart founders. The problem for that argument is that the founders themselves insisted that they weren't the designers. They were the instruments of the designer. How much of that, Michael, because this is the case that would be made, is that they were just using the language of the time, that that is what, that's the way people spoke. Even you just said, you know, Thomas Jefferson wasn't conventional. I I believe he was, I mean, in his own writings, he talks about um, uh, Jesus, and and he is is very Christian if you looked at him as a man today, but very not Christian, because I think he had a problem with the churches, um, right. in some ways. Exactly right. Exactly right. And The again, dogma like, was it, the problem. Right. It, the dogma and the organizations and the corruption yes. of some of the organizations. But Correct. Uh, to, today, all of these people would be viewed as Christian fanatics. Be, because yes. they, they had the... Including, by the way, Franklin Roosevelt, for goodness sake. Yes. Uh, including Theodore Roosevelt, certainly. I mean, uh, people that, that were way over on the left... If you listen to Roosevelt's D-Day prayer, Franklin oh, Roosevelt, yeah. in 1944, he says that America is fighting for Christianity, right? Can you imagine if someone said that today? Uh, I mean, the, the ACLU would be calling for impeachment. So, so Michael, um, so go back to my question. In doing your research for this book, The American Miracle, um, Tell me how you separate um, and, and convince people today that are being taught this is all nonsense, that they weren't just using the language of the day, that they actually believed these things. 
It's very simple. They stake their lives on them. They stake their lives on the belief. And the, the truth of the matter is, and, and this is the core argument of the book, and it's become the core argument of my life, you have to do something to explain the extraordinary nature of the emergence of the United States. No one who was alive in the year 1600 would ever have predicted that the dominant civilization in the world would emerge in North America. But it did, against all odds. And, okay, you can say it emerged because America was this brutal, horrible, exploitative, rapacious place. The problem is other powers, Spain, uh, uh, Portugal, France, were, were more brutal. If brutality and exploitation and slavery and genocide against the natives, if that was the secret of America's strength, then there are these other powers that would have been much stronger because they were much more cruel. So that's out. Then, then you come to this question about a pattern of happy accidents. But a pattern of happy accidents, still a pattern. And then the question is, what does that pattern mean? And the founders were smart people, and they all believed it meant not special privileges for this country, mm-hmm. but special responsibilities. And that's precisely why people on the left and people in the secular side are very reluctant to endorse the idea of providential protection. Isn't it? I mean, this is, I think, Michael, that we, the founders, if they would have lived to 1850, I don't think they would have recognized us really as uh, America for this one reason. By 1830, we changed divine providence to manifest destiny. And there is a huge difference. And I really believe that the, the problem is there are a lot of people on the religious right that don't know the difference between the two. And that's what is scaring people on the left. This idea that once I get power, I'm on a mission from God and I'll tell you exactly what to do. That's not who our founders were. No, not at all, uh, because one of the stories that I tell in the book has to do with uh, believing that God is entangled with your affairs doesn't mean that you can do anything you want. It means that you have a special obligation to try to discern the divine will. I, I actually quote the German chancellor who created modern Germany, uh, Otto von Bismarck, Two amazing quotes that you will love, Glenn. He says on the, on the one hand that it is the job of the statesman to simply uh, try to hear God's footsteps in history and then grab hold of his coattails and follow. And then on another occasion, Bismarck said that the God Almighty has special protection for imbeciles, drunkards, lost dogs, and the United States of America. <laughs> Um, back with Mike, uh, Michael Medved here in just a second. Um, the new book uh, that he has just put out is The American Miracle, Divine Providence in the Rise of the Republic. This is one of those books that I think um, everyone, everyone should have um, because there is a real problem in this country being taught that God had anything to do, especially with the founding of our nation, and I believe God is not a watchmaker. He does live, and he was instrumental 
in our founding. And so Michael is making this case, the American miracle. Back in just a second with more from Michael Medved. Our sponsor this half hour is Casper. Casper Mattress, the healing power of a good night's sleep. You know, I was sleeping for, I don't even know, three hours a night for five years. And I hadn't had REM sleep in about a decade. And when I started seeing the um, uh, the doctors, uh, they were like, uh, Glenn, your body hasn't had a chance to heal overnight for a decade. Unless you go into a deep sleep, your body can't heal. And so you age rapidly. One of the things that I have done is get a Casper mattress. And uh, I went to the mattress store and we spent a buttload of money on a mattress that, um, quite honestly, we didn't like. And we, you know, we spent the 20 minutes or the hour in the mattress store laying on different beds. How are you supposed to know? Casper has cut out the middleman, which has made their mattress a fraction. Literally, you're going to be shocked at the price of these things. A fraction of the price of something you're going to find in a mattress store. Plus, Time Magazine says it's the the, uh, best invention of 2015. They have taken two high-tech foams, guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable. You are going to love your Casper mattress. And if you don't like it, they will come and pick it up 100 nights, a third of the year, to test it out. No restrictions. You You don't like it. You call them up and you say, hey, I don't like this. They'll come and pick it up and refund every single dime. Casper Mattress, $50 towards the purchase of your mattress if you use the promo code BECK right now. Go to Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com, offer code BECK. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The American miracle, the divine providence and the rise of the republic. In this, you make the case, uh, Michael, about uh, the California gold. I have never heard this tied to divine providence. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Sure. Uh, It's one of those things, if you simply look at a calendar, it sort of jumps out at you as it did to people at the time. Uh, The... uh, The California gold rush began when gold was discovered at the end of January in uh, 1848. And uh, and originally it was kept a secret, and then it became known, and it it produced a huge impact on the American economy because we all of a sudden had the leading gold reserves of any country in the world because they discovered gold in the hills of California. Here's what leaps out at you in the contract. The very moment that James Marshall, who was an itinerant carpenter from New Jersey, uh, all of a sudden notices these flecks in a mill race near Sacramento in the middle of nowhere, that same day, 1,600 miles away, in Mexico City, 
a rebellious clerk defies the president of the United States and risks arrest to sign America onto a probably illegal paper that deeds California and this real estate with all the gold in it to the United States of America. In other words, people at the time asked, how is it that God hid the existence of this huge load of gold from all of humanity until that precise moment that America was having California handed directly to us? Signed on the same day? It could be the same day. We don't know the exact day that gold was discovered. We know within a week. It was 100% the same week. That's unbelievable. And that changed. And people at the time said so. And you see, what's, what's so amazing to me, Glenn, is that people living through this history said, wait a minute, this is not us. This is some bigger power. George Washington, who you write about so beautifully. I mean, George Washington understood that he is one of 70 British officers at the Battle of Monongahela in the French and Indian War. 70 British officers ride out into battle on horseback. 69 of the 70 are either wounded or killed. George Washington has the hat out, a shot out from over his head. He has two different mounts shot out from under him. He has bullet holes in his cloak. Nothing touches him. It was so striking that he's a 23-year-old officer at the time in the British Army, in the actually Virginia militia. And Samuel Davies, who later became president of Princeton University, delivers a sermon about this 23-year-old guy and says, no doubt God has raised up this magnificent youth to help to save and perform a signal purpose for his people. God's still doing this with America, Michael? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But, but this, is, this is another aspect to this, Glenn, is that American patriots have always feared that we were breaking the bargain. And, and the bargain, again, is not that we have special privileges. It's that we have special burdens. That because all of our forefathers, all of our ancestors and foremothers, to be politically correct, they all recognized that America was no accident. That was actually one of the titles I was playing with for this book, America's No Accident. It didn't just happen. It happened for a purpose. If we lose sight of that purpose, uh, our, our leaders have always believed that we will, we will lose the special protection. I believe that 100%. Have we lost that? And what evidence do you have that we haven't lost that? <laughs> well, I, I know that there are some people, you and, you and I share something else, which is great skepticism about the president-elect. But the fact that he is president-elect seems so Unlikely. unexpected yeah. and so bizarre in so many ways. And the appointment of this new Secretary of State candidate, all of it is is so astonishing and unusual that you have to think there must be some message here. There must be some challenge here. There must be, uh, or, or maybe some of our colleagues and friends uh, are correct that this is actually redemptive. It actually may be taking unusual uh, instruments 
and, and using it for God's purpose. I tell the story of Lincoln in that regard, and this is not, let me make clear, to compare Trump to Lincoln. Hang on, I want you but, to make this. I don't want you to be interrupted, so hang on just a second. Then I want to come back and talk to you about Sam Houston in your book, The American Miracle, The Divine Providence in the Rise of the Republic by Michael Medved. Grab this book. It makes a great Christmas gift for somebody. Back with Michael Medved where he's going to compare Lincoln and Trump. That's what I heard him. (laughs) Specifically, he was not doing that. Really? I didn't miss that. that. Back in just a sec with Michael Medved. The Glenn Beck Program. Letter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. On Friday, we have a special on progressivism. We have worked a, a long time on this special, and, and I think you're really going to like it. Friday, a special show on progressivism. Share it with your friends. Uh, listen and learn a ton on Friday's broadcast. Michael Medved is with us. He has a new book out called The American Miracle, Divine Providence uh, in the Rise of the Republic. Um, Michael, you were just going to talk a little bit about Abraham Lincoln. Well, Abraham Lincoln was the, one of the most unlikely people, in fact, probably the most unlikely person uh, to ever become president of the United States. He wasn't a billionaire. He wasn't a celebrity. Uh, He was a politician uh, locally in southern Illinois who had never won statewide office, had had only won one single term, a two-year term in the Congress of the United States. And he saw his own rise to the presidency as as an act of providence, uh, as something remarkable. Uh, his, His contemporaries saw it that way. And, and he was haunted uh, with looking for signs of the divine will. And I, I tell the story in the book of the most important cigars in American history, which were the three cigars that were discovered by a 42-year-old corporal uh, whose name was Barton K. Mitchell, who's reclining in September 17, 1862, in an open field in Frederick, Maryland, reaches out, finds these cigars in the middle of a field, has no idea why they're there, uh, opens them up, and then his buddy says, wait a minute, what are those papers? The papers were the lost dispatch, General Orders Number 181 from Robert E. Lee, which falling into the hands of the Union, allowed the Battle of Antietam to happen, which Lincoln told his cabinet was the sign from God he had been waiting for to free the slaves with the Emancipation Proclamation. Isn't humility required for all of this? Because I think that's what scares people when you talk about signs from God. And Because 
Adolf Hitler, he talked a lot about God. Now, he was, a, he was anti-God, um, but he used all the rhetoric, um, and he wasn't a humble man, obviously. Um, isn't humility, like you just said, he was haunted by this. He saw it as not him, but as a sign from God. All of the great statesmen, presidents, patriots in our, um, in our uh, history have all been deeply humble. Oh, that's exactly correct. And Lincoln used the term, and he used it more than a dozen times in his public statements and his private correspondence, that he was an instrument, that, that he wasn't the author of what he was doing. He was the instrument of, of basically the will of history. Hegel and Tolstoy and great thinkers in the past who, again, are religiously unconventional, nonetheless say that, look, if you look at human affairs and you look at some of the amazing things that have particularly surrounded this incredibly blessed country, and, and in, in terms of America's unique blessings, it's not just Americans who think that. Uh, I, I cite Goethe, the, the great German poet, who, who said uh, very early uh, on in our history, right, right after the America was launched, that there was something special, destined, different about America. That's what America's ex- exceptionalism means. It doesn't mean American perfectionism. What it means is a, a very special status for this country in terms of influencing the rest of humanity. Real quick, tell me one last story. It's in the American Miracle, Michael Medved's uh, new book. Um, tell me the story of Sam Houston. <laughs> well, well, here, if um, this, this guy whose, whose Indian name was derisively Big Drunk, who was a big drunk, he may have been 6'6", if he has a successful wedding night, and he doesn't go into exile and resign as governor of Tennessee because of the embarrassment surrounding his wedding night. He never goes to Texas. And uh, uh, where you are today in Dallas, Glenn, is uh, now one of the biggest cities in Mexico. Hang on uh, just a second. I don't know about his wedding night. Can you tell me about his wedding night? Yeah, he's, he's Andrew Jackson's protege. And he's a, a hero who miraculously survives battle and he becomes a young governor of Tennessee. He's a U.S. congressman. He's on the road to the presidency. And he marries the most beautiful young woman in Tennessee whose family is very politically prominent. Something happened on their wedding night where she told a friend the, the morning after, I want to kill him. It's something, and, and historians have different theories about what actually happened in privacy. In any event, his wife leaves him. He is so humiliated by that that he has to resign as governor. He goes into a drinking binge, goes off to live with the Cherokees, develops a relationship to Native American spirituality, starts seeing eagles and ravens. His Indian name was Colonel, the raven. And all of this leads him to Texas. This is a former governor of Tennessee. And in Texas, he becomes commander of the Texas Army fighting for independence. The people are slaughtered at Goliath. They're slaughtered at the Alamo, where all the prisoners, everyone is killed. The last chance for that rebellion 
which, by the way, was representing a population that was 90% American. It was not a Mexican population, though there were Mexican people who were Spanish speakers who were fighting alongside Houston. He wins in 18 minutes this Battle of San Jacinto, which remains one of the most remarkable, astonishing, illogical military victories in all of human history, and gives Texas ultimately to the United States. He refuses to let Texas join the United States during the Civil War, though, does he not? No, it, quite the contrary. He was opposed to secession. He, he, was, he, basic, he was the governor of Texas at, at, the, at the time of secession. And he predicted to the South, he said exactly what was going to happen. He said, if you secede, you, you are going to see the destruction of all of your dreams. And, and Houston actually was selected by John F. Kennedy as one of his profiles in courage, because at the end of his life, he stood up, uh, even though he himself was a Southerner. He was from uh, Virginia originally, and then, and then from Tennessee, and then from why did he do? Why did he do that? Why did he say, you have to stay with the United States? Because he believed that America was a God-anointed country and that to take up arms against this country. He was a unionist above all else. And, and that, it's, it seems to me, is uh, one of the great heroes in the Civil War, the Rock of Chickamauga, George Thomas, a union hero, who right along with Sherman and Grant was one of the most successful generals. He was a Virginian. And, and again, a people of conscience in the South understood that the Union, America, was the greatest cause worth fighting for. Michael Medved, um, I'd love to have you down sometime and have you into our vault. We have about 8,000 um, items from uh, American history that is just, it's pretty mind-blowing. Uh, and I'd love just to take a tour with you and uh, have you tell stories of the things that you find because uh, you've, you've proven yourself to be too smart for this program. Uh, <laughs> all of us are looking at each other. You're mentioning names. We're all like, of course, that's, yes, I know exactly who you're talking, talking about. talking about that yesterday. Yeah. Um, anyway, Michael, one last question. Can I get your uh, thought on Tillerson? What do you think about Rex Tillerson being uh, Department of uh, State? Well, I'm, I'm, I look forward to the confirmation hearings. Oh, look, I don't, I, I don't understand it. I, I with so many um, outstanding people that, that could have been appointed by, by uh, President-elect Trump, where people would say, terrific, it, whether it's John Bolton or Mitt Romney or, uh, I don't know, even arguably Bob Corker or any of the other people he was talking about, why he has to uh, uh, pick someone who has won a friendship award from Vladimir Putin, um, I, I think this will come out in the confirmation hearings, and, and that's a good thing. Um, are, you, are you perplexed, as I am, uh, on how the right suddenly is, is fine with Vladimir Putin and, and we're, we're buddies with Vladimir Putin? And, of course, uh, Russia's not doing anything wrong and, and, and trying to disrupt our system? I mean, that's crazy talk. It is completely crazy talk, and it, this is not an issue of partisanship. It's an issue of patriotism. Uh, whether you're left, right, or center, people who love America cannot abide with the idea of any foreign nation interfering or attempting to interfere with our elections. 
And, and if, if Mr. Trump were to do the smart thing, it would also be the right thing, which is get out in front of this and say, yes, I want as much evidence as I possibly can. And Putin involving himself in American elections and American policy is not legitimate. And, and Trump, above all, saying he puts America first has to put that priority first. Michael Medved, thank you so much. Good friend of the I appreciate program. It, my and, friend. Um, thank you, and, and thanks for, for all of your great work. Uh, and I, I really mean this from my heart, uh, letting Americans understand that the issues here in our country today go very, very deep and deep into our history. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate it. Michael Medved, uh, the name of the book is The American Miracle. Jeffy and I were just talking about the Rock of Cucamonga. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yesterday or the day before. Were you talking with Goethe? Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the Goethe quotes are prevalent on the Rock of Cucamonga. <laughs> I've never heard of the Rock of Cucamonga. But... <laughs> it's not even what he said. <laughs> it's not what he said. He said <laughs> something like that that I've never Chickamauga? heard. I have yeah, no mean? idea. I mean, the former German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck. He's a brilliant guy. And I will tell you, in stories <laughs> that we will save for another time and maybe after we cross to the other side, Michael Medved is one of the more brave people um, in America today. Um, He is a very good guy and um, extraordinarily brave, extraordinarily brave. And I am appreciative that there are people like him in the world today. Pick up his new book, The American Miracle. All right, I want to tell you about our sponsor. It's American Financing. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, Jeffy? Falling into debt can happen to the best of us, especially if you're supporting a growing family. And if you feel like you're getting further behind, let American Financing consolidate your high-interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. This happens to all of us, and um, now is the time. This week, they're talking about raising interest rates. I don't know if they're going to, but they will eventually. Uh, and, and I personally think they're going to bring them down past zero. I, I, had, a, I had a horrible thought the other day as I'm doing my research on, on currency um, and trying to figure out what the exit strategy might be, I had a, a really horrible, horrible thought. But one way or another, you don't want debt. If you are behind and you feel like you, you just can't get ahead of it, American financing can. For months, Everyone was concerned interest rates were going to increase. Tax rate, I mean, uh, interest rates are still at an all-time low. And because of that, people are refinancing and pulling out equity for debt consolidation or even just lowering their interest rates, saving some $500 to $1,000 every month. Think about what you could do with that money. You could save for retirement. You could, you know, uh, save for college funds. You could pay off your high interest debt, which should be your number one priority. Americans Financing's mortgage consultants are salary-based. They specialize in solutions, not counting commissions. And you might even skip two mortgage payments. So whether you're tired of paying outrageous rental rates and ready to buy, or you want to refinance and take advantage of the low interest rates, don't wait 
right now. Call 866-750-6551. 866-750-6551. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. You're listening. You're listening. To the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. What I just said in that commercial, it's something I figured out last night, I was re- reading some Milton Friedman, and um, he won the Nobel Prize for a, uh, a, an equation, MV equals PY. Uh-huh. And I don't thoroughly understand it yet. Milton Friedman is a little over my head. Um, but I, it explains what we're doing, and it explains what I think we're going to do which traps everyone who is poor traps everyone who is a working stiff that's good to hear yeah good and i really think this is their exit strategy because it everything they're doing leads leads me to believe this is how they think the world should operate and it's it's terrifying i hope i'm wrong but if I understand this right, I don't think I am. Uh, and it comes from Milton Freeman, but it, it's, it's a warning from Milton Freeman. I think they look at that and go, um, it's good. It's good. We'll go into that. Also, play the 11 seconds real quick, will you? This is from The View. Who used to be his campaign director? He had to quit because of his ties to Russia. I mean, do we have to wait till the hammer and sickle is on the American flag before we oh stand my. up to this You've guy? You've got to be kidding me! Believe that with a, with a Marxist did office for eight years, oh. now they're worried about a hammer and sickle. You've Are got you to be kidding, kidding me! On back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. America and welcome to the program. I want to um, um, explain something as I'm as I'm learning it because next year I really want to talk to you about the economy and what I think is coming in the economy and why I think it's coming. It's as I'm learning about currency and how it works and how the Fed works. Yesterday I stumbled onto something from uh, Milton Friedman. And it is the reason why he won the Nobel Prize in economics. I think he issued this as a warning, but I think we're looking at it now as the answer. And I wanna show you what it means, what I think is coming our way. And I'll take you there right now. 
of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Programme. I, uh, looking at this chalkboard, Glenn, the way you have it written out, I can't decide whether it's a warning or whether it's, uh, whether it's going to happen. Yeah. You don't understand a damn thing on it, do you? I I mean, look, just looking at it, you can. Let me give you the, let me give you the formula that this is the formula that Milton Freeman won, uh, the Nobel prize on for economics. And it's really not complex, but we have to understand terms. The formula is M times V equals P times Y. All right? Now, what does it mean? M means the money supply. How much money has the Fed, the Fed has control of the money supply, how much money has the Fed printed and is out in the, you know, ether? Okay? So M equals money supply. V equals velocity. What velocity means is... How fast is that money moving? For instance, if you get paid today and you take your money, your paycheck, and you put it all into the bank, the, the uh, money has a velocity, a velocity of zero. If you go and you spend that at a restaurant, it has a velocity of one. If you spend that at the restaurant... And the guy at the restaurant puts it into the bank. It's a one. If the guy takes that and then buys new supplies, it has a velocity of two. The more times your money is being used, the higher the velocity. Okay? That's what makes the economy move is the velocity of money. How many times has that dollar changed hands before it goes to rest in a bank? Okay? The problem we're having right now is we have all kinds of money, right? They've, they've quadrupled the money supply in one year. So we have tons of money, but the money isn't moving. Nobody's buying anything. It's sitting in a bank. I'll get back to that here in a second. The other half of the equation, it's money supply versus velocity equals um, price changes, inflation, times real growth, GDP. So what Milton Freeman said, and we've talked about this before with helicopter money. What did, what, how, what did he say about helicopter money? He t- tossed around the idea of ha- hovering a helicopter over like a town square and just dropping money out of it that might help the economy. And what did he once. say about it? Do it once. Do it one time. And it would help one time. One time. Why would it help? Because people didn't expect it? (laughs) Because people would grab it and they would spend it. It was free money from the sky. When you get free money, you're you're usually like, we got to spend, we got to buy something. We didn't expect this. Let's go buy something. And it's probably not a fortune. So there's no need to, I mean, you you wouldn't be. You're not going to invest in it and saving it. You're just spending it. Okay. So you just spend it. And he said it will work once Mm -hmm. because after a while, that no longer works 
because all it does is drive up inflation. You start pushing too much money in, and now inflation takes over, and it's not real sustainable growth. It's funny money, okay? Now, the Fed's control, the Federal Reserve controls the M, the money supply. They're the ones that make the choice on how much money they're going to print. How do they pull the money back if they want to tighten the money supply? Raise interest rates. Correct. That's why during the end of the Carter administration, interest rates were at 19% because they had violated um, this principle and the M and the V became too high and the, the inflation just went through the roof. And it wasn't real, which caused stagnation. Nobody really had any jobs, and the price was too high. So they had to pull that money back, so they raise interest rates. So when you pay 19% to the bank, what the bank is doing is they're paying a high interest rate from the Fed, and they have to pay that back. The Fed pulls that money back, that 20%, and they burn or destroy that money. And that brings inflation back into line because they're closing and, and dropping the money supply. So the Fed controls M, how much is in and how much is coming back. Who controls the velocity? Well, we do in part, uh, <clears throat> but so do banks. Okay, so how do you control the velocity? By what I do with it. If I choose to spend it, uh, then that, that increases the velocity. If I choose to save it, that decreases the velocity. Okay, um, and how do the banks control it? I assume through investment, through right. and whether they hold it or not. Yeah, whether they hold it, whether they use it, whether they loan it, invest it, loan it. Okay, if they loan it to the average person, <clears throat> it's good because the velocity goes way up. You loan it to somebody for new construction. My the velocity count the number of times I go and I give that to a uh, a broker. The broker then goes and gives it to the uh, construction uh, or the contractor. The contractor gives that to people for the land and to supplies and to the employees. What, do the, what, the, what does the landowner do with that money? What does the supply company do with that money? What do the employees do with that money? They're going to go replenish and restock their shelves. Some are going to invest that money in something else, maybe a new home, maybe new land, maybe stocks. The employees are going to go out shopping for their family. They're going to go spend the money. So the velocity is really high. So why are the banks not loaning and why are we not spending? If you look at Christmas, this is a very bad Christmas season, right? Yes, the stores are not doing well for Christmas. Um, at least, at, at least, in-store traffic is down. I have not heard, but I've heard that um, it's a lower than expected uh, Christmas. We are also spending less than we have overall in a long, long time. Why? Uh, could be fear. Everybody's nervous, yeah, right? It's fear. What's going to happen? Right. We don't know what's going to happen. This is what happened during the Great Depression. You d- in the Great Depression, 
you didn't know what the government was going to do. Businesses didn't know what regulations they were going to have to come up with and, and meet. So everybody starts saving their money. You don't know if your job is secure. So you're paying down debt, you or you are saving the money, which makes the velocity at zero. So there is no GDP growth. The banks are loaning it to the richest of the rich. Where are we seeing inflation? Can you tell me where inflation is actually happening? Because I expected inflation to happen with food and goods and services, but it's not happening there. Where is inflation? We talked about it this week. Housing? Housing? I mean, because, you know, energy is uh, still pretty low. Oh, yeah. Um, It's housing. It's artwork. Oh, it's high end. it's, It's. precious things it's commodities okay it's the stock market is wildly out of whack now they're talking about a stock market of 21,000 okay that's, that's that's crazy because nothing has changed what's happened the banks aren't loaning to the average person they're loaning to people like exxon and exxon is taking that free money and they're investing it in the stock market because the stock market is going up. They can grab their money, make their money, and pay back that loan without interest. So they're making money in paper. Velocity, still very low. And the only ones that are getting rich are the rich. So, why is velocity so low? Because of fear. And because the rich are the only ones getting the loans, the big corporations. And what are they doing with it? Investing it in the stock market. Why is it important for the government to make the stock market and housing look good? Because it makes us, at the bottom of the scale, feel like we're getting richer. Feel like things are looking up. Because if the stock market's going up, Well, things must be good. That's a disconnect in understanding of the American people from the Fed. And at least I'm making money in my house. People are buying houses again, so I've made a lot of money in my house. So you feel like, yes, I haven't had a a wage increase for a long time, but at least my house is worth more. Okay? Mm -hmm. What is the typical way... I'm about to make the... I'm about to show you what's going to happen in the future, in my opinion... What is the typical way of assisting the economy with the Fed? How do they normally do that? What's their solution? Print more money. Print more money. Lower interest rates. What? Lower interest rates, right? Yeah, lower interest rates. Mm -hmm. Um, Print more money. Try to get you to spend. George Bush, what's the best thing you can do? Go out to the mall and go shopping. This is the phrase that came to mind uh, yesterday as I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, dear God. We've been talking about negative interest rates for a while. Why are negative interest rates so bad? And who do they hurt? Negative rate interest rates are great for corporations, great for the rich. Why? Because you have lots of, well, negative Negative interest rates. I can go and borrow for my business a ton of money at zero. Right, right. Zero down. Saving is the problem. Okay? Saving your money is a problem. But if I've got a zero interest rate, 
It's insane for, for instance, the state of Texas, a really good idea for the state of Texas is to bar, we know that um, Texas is going to continue to grow, which means our freeways, which are already under construction and are enormous. We already know our, our cities and our infrastructure, our highways are outdated even as they're being built for the next 20 years, correct? They're already packed. They build them and they're packed. We have a 1,000 people a day moving to Texas. So how do you keep up with that? Well, we know that we're going to have to build highways and roads and everything in the next 20 years. Why not borrow the money if you trusted people to lock it up? Why not borrow money today at 0% interest? You'll never get a better deal. And just lock it up until you need that money. Because in 10 years, you're not going to be able to get it at zero. It'll go up. You'll save so much money. And that's how people who have money think. Let me borrow money now and use it because I'll never get it this cheap. But why would negative interest rates be bad for the average person? And then I'll show you why or what I believe they're going to do to get us out of this mess. And it will make the rich richer and the poor much poorer. And I think there's no way out for the poor if they try to do something like this, if this is their thinking. Um, Our sponsor, this half hour is around here someplace. Uh, It's Goldline. Wow, this is is perfect for Goldline. Um, If what I think is coming comes, you're going to have to have something of real value. What is it that you can have of real value that won't change, that will, will go up, that will be, you'll be able to have to barter? While some people are buying art for $85 million, that art is only worth art if there's a market out there that says I want art. At some point, that money comes down because that price comes down because of inflation, because it, it, it all collapses on itself. That art is only good for what you can barter. Who's going to barter for $85 million? You want something you can barter that is small, that is, that is easily divisible, and something that always, through the history of time, has held its value or gone up in value of times of peril, and that is gold. 866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE. We were just talking about frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense was $4,000 a pound in the year zero. Gold was the cheapest of those three gifts. Which one held its value? Gold. 1-866-GOLD. 1-866-GOLD or goldline.com. Or sorry, 1-866-GOLDLINE um, or goldline.com and ask them about their important risk information and find out if this is right for you. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. A 
Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-Tay-
I love this song. It's called Believe. This is on the um, the album. I think it's Believe Again, isn't the name of it? Um, and uh, it the idea behind this album was get these get these guys together that have never been together before, don't know each other, all from different faiths, all Christians, and can they come together and in five days make a cohesive Christmas album? Really, um, um, really an amazing project, especially how they all bonded. Every little difference of their faith fell apart and they were forced to go right to the spirit of Christ um, because they didn't have time for anything else. And uh, so they lost everything but the essentials. And that was one of the last songs recorded. And I, my favorite on the whole album. Um, and it came from this girl who was so humble and so quiet the whole time. She was like, I, I don't have anything. I don't, I don't, everybody had to come up with at least one song. She's like, I, I don't have anything. I, I, I don't. And it's like two o'clock in the morning. And um, they all start talking. And she said, I keep hearing this song and I've, I had a dream about it, but it's just so simple and it's not, it's not fancy like any of yours. And it is so simple and so beautiful. And, um, and the words are simple. Until the world hears your name, I will believe. So great. Some of the greatest uh, songs of all time. I, I actually, my, uh, you can get that, uh, it's still available at uh, glennbeck.com slash believe again. Yeah, and it's also available at iTunes and every place else. But uh, My favorite is the uh, David Osmond with oh, Hyde Baden. By far. Uh, That's oh, all right, yeah. Oh, I oh, come all ye faithful. I love that version so good. of those two men. Are just... That one was the hardest one to do. If, David, if David's last name wasn't Osmond, he'd be one of the biggest stars on earth, and he would have sold 50 million albums. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I would agree with you. He is he so was on, talented and deserves to be a... He was on American Idol star. and made it quite a distance on American Idol. And, and then he got sick or they kicked him off or something? What? Yeah, no, they, no. they uh, you know... I don't think he got is, eliminated, did he? Or did he? Yeah, no, I think he, I think he got eliminated. Um, and behind the scenes, happened. and I don't know this from David, but from behind the scenes, I have heard that it was because your name is Osman. Yeah, you can't go any uh, farther. You can't go any farther. Yeah. Your name is Osman. Yeah, and so yeah. you don't look like you know. It doesn't look like you're a nobody. Right. It's a good version, and I do like that song. I prefer "Go Tell It on the Mountain." Um, <laughs> we actually have a <laughs> we have a clip of it, Pat. We do. Okay. How does that sound? Go tell it on the mountain over the hills. Doesn't sound anything like it. And every Okay. I You're not challenged. You're winning me over, Adam. <laughs> You're winning me not over. The way. <laughs> winning me Sounds. over. So yesterday, I I I um, involved myself in something that, as the makeup department is applying the beard, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I haven't even read this script. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about this story. You don't need to. Story. You don't need to read okay. this I am trusting Stu in particular. Don't put this oh. in. You volunteered this. for this role. Right. Is but it? I asked you over and over again. I haven't read the script. Are we okay? Well, you read Are it yesterday. We... Just I read my part. Right. I haven't read the script. Somebody came to me as I'm walking in in full beard 
for what is it? Christmas Isis sickle. The Christmas Isis sickle. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, beard. I'm realizing. Wait a minute. I think I'm a member of Isis. Oh no 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 no! Oh, oh gosh, yeah. no. that wasn't in my script. Whether I was or not, I don't know why These I was. They're just people who are in the holiday spirit. And one of the executives came in the hallway and said, "Have you read the script?" And I said, "No. Why? Have you? Oh, um, no. Go ahead." So, so how is this on me? If they what am I? What am I? What what exactly are you putting on this network with me in it? Well, first of all, uh, the Christmas spirit is what I'm putting on this network. Uh, uh, um, I think we're trying to bring different cultures together. All I know is in my script, uh, I was told to ad lib about a really enormous fat man dying. <laughs> That might have been. I don't. I wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a bit of of that. Well, just, again, and you know, when when there's a, a reporting of a crime story, you want uh, descriptions are used often, uh, and that's just what you took from that particular <laughs> yeah. incident. When I ad libbed, it's almost as if this dead man had just eaten the Hindenburg, <laughs> and I was told not far enough. Hmm. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Uh, similar to what the police found <laughs> right. upon the incident. Uh, right. You know, look, Glenn, as you've talked about many times, uh, there are, uh, the holidays are an emotional time. <laughs> we all experience the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. saying that's probably the most important information we could give to you and the information that people don't want you to have um, <laughs> i mean some I, you almost feel like people might just go to a break in the middle of it to try to avoid us getting that information out there but luckily that didn't happen okay let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour um if you um you know if you're like me or any really we're all the same we want our our family to be safe uh that's a number one priority pat and i are going to haiti uh, later this week, um, to bring Christmas to the the kids that you freed from the sex slave industry. Um, many of these kids were sold into slavery by their parents. Can you imagine that? Um, just a horrible situation. But because of your donations to um, um, Operation Underground Railroad, you have freed, I think, 200 kids in Haiti and hundreds more all around the world. And um, they are very, very grateful. And we'll bring that story to you um, online. But um, our family's protection is the most important. And the way we do it is uh, sometimes difficult because it's expensive. Simply Safe Home Security is taking away all of the objections 
Nobody is coming into your house to upsell you. Nobody is coming into your house and drilling holes in your walls and uh, wiring something, especially now with wireless technology. Um, it is a situation where you can have 24-7 security, and it's $14.95 a month, not $40, $50 a month. And there's no contract. So if you don't want to have monitored security, you just want to have the blaring alarm, you can have that. Now, how much for the actual product itself? How much is it going to cost you for 17 security um, uh, sensors. That means if anybody opens up your windows, anybody opens up your door, um, you can get glass break sensors. You can you can even get um, the motion sensors and the um, you know the toxic gas sensors in your house. You get a panic button. You get a blaring siren. Wireless connection to authorities that are going to dispatch the police. Twenty four seven monitoring for fifteen bucks a month and no long term contract. That system of the 17 security sensors and the panic button and the siren and the wireless connection, all of that stuff, now has a $200 off offer from Simply Safe. It'll cost you $399. That that's an unbelievable Christmas gift even for the family if you're looking for somebody, somebody. Somebody going to school can have that. You can put it in the dorm room. You can, you can put that in the apartment Somebody who's just starting out or your home, Simply Safe, their Defender package. Go to the website right now and check it out. SimplySafeBeck.com. SimplySafeBeck.com. Do it now and you get $200 off the Defender security package. SimplySafeBeck.com. Okay, so we were talking uh, before we were rudely interrupted by technology about um, uh, Hallmark. We think actually. Somebody watching, ripping off. Yeah, watching the Christmas twist, which is this parody of all of these bad Christmas shows. You keep framing this in the negative, however. I am very pleased with this uh, possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, I, no, I am too. I, I, think it's, I think it's flattering. It's a fantastic film uh, that we made a film. <laughs> and um, they thought so too, and that's why they copied it. And put can you it give out me, can show the evidence, because this is pretty striking. All right. Well, in Christmas, there's a movie now called Christmas Cookies on Hallmark, and it takes place in the town of <clears throat> Cookie Jar. Is that right? Yes, yes. Cookie, jar. Cookie Jar. And we don't know what state Cookie Jar is in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, just to show you some of the similarities, here's where the uh, I, I think the owner of the store is mulling an offer from somebody who is trying to get them a lot of money for it. You gonna take the deal? This is Christmas cookies. Back to business, huh? Well, I know why I'm here. I think I have, what, yeah, 60 hours left. I'm all over it. The mulling period, right? Uh Yeah, I forgot about that. So it's a huge offer that would save his Christmas cookie company. In Christmas jar, he's only got six, he's only got sixty dollars left. Sixty hours, sixty yeah. hours, sixty left hours left to to, for the deal. Okay, right. all right. Now, in the Christmas twist, there was a similar period. The mayor announced his offer for the six hundred square foot cookie store, eleven million dollars. The office, the office. But mm-hmm. he did place one condition: store owner Noel Anderson only has. 24 hours to decide. All right, so they're both mulling over the offer, right? There's, yeah, there's another similar scene where the, the two yeah. people talk to each other and say, hey, uh, you know, you, you only have uh, 12 business hours to decide. 
right. and she's pressuring the woman to sell the cookie store. And this, the roles are reversed. They did the thing where they're going to change the sexes so you don't realize it. Uh, but we caught it. <laughs> oh, okay. we saw through their ruse. Mm-hmm. They're so transparent. It is a cookie store days. in both of them. Yeah, but yeah. Both, both of them are being sold. Yes. Both of them have a time limit to decide. Mm-hmm. Both of them have the store owner not wanting to. Both of them have the fiancé or the love interest that wants them to, right? Yes, yes. and in the... Okay, so here's the love interest in the Christmas cookies trying to get the owner to understand... This is Hallmark. There's, there's some money involved here. On no one from here is going to go to Buffalo. The relocation tax credit. It's not always about money, Hannah. I didn't say it was always about money, but, you know, the money's not nothing either. Similarly, in the Christmas twist... Money's uh, nothing. I wish you wouldn't always talk about money around the holidays... <laughs> They're both so both people who are being offered a lot of money to sell their cookie store are kind of disgusted by the offer. It's not all about money. And there's another scene where Pat and his incredible role in the Christmas Twist uh, is told uh, it's not about money, and you say uh, uh, it's not. You're right. It's not about money, but this is eleven million dollars. When my uncle told me about that, it was a dollar seventy-eight. So again, <laughs> there's a lot of money oh, on the line. Uh, was Pat the love interest? No, Pat was. Oh, the, I was the Uncle, Uncle Billy. Uncle Billy. Uh, Uncle Billy. Uncle Billy. Um, quite a stretch. <laughs> Jeffy kind of turned into uh, the love interest <clears throat> in that one. Uh, Whoa! Good so more. this is completely uh, unbelievable. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, it was a parody. It was supposed to be a parody of this <laughs> genre, which they then turned into a real movie. In both, uh, this is the, these are the uh, the the initial. There's always a fiance who is all about money. He's all, he, he or she is all about uh, advancement in their career. They've lost the Christmas spirit. Mm. Here's Hallmark's presentation of that in the proposal from the original fiance. Listen, uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. And I think this is right. What's right? Us, this. Gavin, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh my gosh, this kid's an unwelcome proposal. Unwelcome. Hannah Harper. We were meant to be together. Um, oh, this is so bad. So bad. Oh, yeah. I feel for her right now. I know. Will you marry me? Oh, Oof. And of course he does that in front of people. She's embarrassed. Right. Now you listen to that. I'm, I want this audience to listen to that. You think that's so bad it couldn't be worse. Listen to the original. <laughs> but honey, now I can afford the one thing I really wanted. <laughs> I didn't know oh, wow. it was the same. Will you marry me? Dad, that's the biggest diamond I've ever seen. Of course it is. From the richest boyfriend you've ever had. What do you say? <laughs> to a lifetime. I believe. Dad. Now, I believe. Seriously. I believe. Was the music not even the same? It was the same, right? Both businesses are, of course, becoming insolvent. Uh, here's Hallmark's presentation of that. Sir, this company is teetering on the brink of insolvency. Have you seen these yeah. numbers? Yeah, well, that's what you get when you're in production only half of the year. So you got to take that money. And here's the Christmas twist. Just listen to me. Maybe if you just ran a cookie store or you ran a Christmas cookie store or you just ran a butter cookie store, but you only sell the pretzel-shaped butter cookies. Uh, nobody likes the pretzel-shaped butter cookies. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Then why did I sell three... Two customers this year. <laughs> well, two of them were me, and the other one was a guy hiding from an Amber Alert. This is the worst <laughs> business model of all time. <laughs> so do you see that the both wow. businesses need it? 
Both right, and both businesses are failing because they're only selling a limited quantity. Exactly. Right. So this is the best solution for him. <sighs> Jake, he's, he's just being so, he's being so stubborn. I mean, why doesn't he understand that this is the best solution? Why? This is $11 million. That's like John Kerry wife money. Right? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> it's the same movie. It's, same, it's the same it's stinking movie. The same movie. And they end kind of the same with the same cheesy sort of line. Christmas is what you make it. Or bake it. Uh, uh, by the way, that's not the parody. That was the real movie. The Christmas twist. Well, I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles, huh? Come on. That's the same. Come on. I want a letter from Hallmark <laughs> saying that they stole this story Come from on. us. I just, I don't want a dime from them. I just want a little bit of honesty in this Christmas season. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.